So, church, as you know, uh, oh, actually, let me start by saying I'm not Cliff. You might have noticed that. Um, Cliff is on uh, vacation this week. And let me tell you something. Uh, your pastor deserves a vacation. Um, he does, because you guys are exhausting. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, um, no, your pastor deserves a vacation. So he's in Hawaii soaking up the sun right now. And, uh, and pray for him this week, traveling mercies and all that. But as you know, we've been in the book of James for, I believe this is the 11th week. We are working through the book of James. Uh, James is the younger half-brother of Jesus, a uh, very famous person in the church. He was one of the, the three apostles who really led the church of Jerusalem, him alongside Peter and John, a very important figure. And in all of his years of being the younger brother of Jesus, I think he gleaned probably a lot of wisdom from his older brother. Yeah? And, um, and so the book of James is, is written really to the entire church, not just the church in Jerusalem. It's written to the entire church. And, and what it's written about is a problem that James sees in the church. And that problem, the main issue is that James sees a disconnect in Christendom. He sees a disconnect between faith and actions. Right? And so if, if James, the book of James, was to have, have a thesis statement, then that thesis statement, I think, would sound something like, true faith, your true faith, is shown through your actions. Not what you say you believe. You don't even know what you believe, right? What you really believe, often, is shown by how you live. That's the truth. And so, um, James writes his letter to all of the churches, and he's addressing this issue. And he uses his older brother's words, Jesus' words, on Sermon on the Mount, and a lot of other teachings that he has. And he also references back to the Levitical law quite a bit. And so today we're going to look at some of those things and what he references back to. But in all of this, James is five chapters long. It's a pretty short book. He spends two, almost the entirety of two chapters, focusing on, as Christians, our speech and what we say. Because it matters. It really matters in a world where Oftentimes, some people give too much credence to our words, sometimes it almost seems like, and some think that they're useless. Um, James comes in um, and says what our words really mean. And so he spends almost the entirety of chapters 3 and 4, and today, uh, speaking about speech, and today we're going to wrap up his exhortation about our words near the end of chapter 4. So you guys ready to get started with that? We're in chapter 4 of James, verses 11 in 12, if you'll flip there with me, you can read along as I read it out loud. But it's James 4. Actually, I'm going to read to us James 7 through 12. 4, 7 through 12. Because I think it all more or less goes together. And so this is the word of the Lord. It says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And here's our focus today. 
Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if, you're, if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? This is God's word. Let me pray for us, and then we will get started. Um, Father, I just ask that you give me the words to say as we focus on what we say. Uh, I ask that you open our minds to hear from you this morning, whether it comes from my mouth or not, that we respond in obedience to what you have for us this morning. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to us, Lord, for we're listening. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys still with me? I like it. You guys are awake today. It's, it's been a gloomy week, but you're awake. Um, I love it. So uh, this, this week I've got two points for you. Uh, and then I'll get out of your hair. But these points, I think if we were to wrap our mind around these two things, I think we would walk away um, being changed. And so the first one may be uh, pretty clear in our passage. That is slander is hypocrisy. Uh, now, where am I getting the word slander? Do, some of your versions of your Bible say slander instead of speak evil against. I know some versions say that. Um, the word in, uh, in Greek is the word kataleleo. And kataleleo means to speak about or to someone in a way that harms them. That's really what it is. Um, this is malicious words. These are things that you might say um, that would harm another person. And, and James is saying in this passage to never, never, never do that thing toward another believer and follower of Christ. Um, I think it would be good to apply this to all aspects of life, not to do this to another person, period. I, I can think of all the moms in the room. You've probably taught your kids. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? We know this. We know this phrase. Um, and I, while I think that's a, a, a good phrase, um, I think there's more to it than that. Because kataleleo uh, is saying anything that harms them. This includes slanderous speech, which I, I think uh, we're going to use that kind of word today, slander, to encompass this idea of saying something against another. But this could be uh, defaming speech where you're trying to denigrate someone's name. It can also be things that you're saying things that are truthful about another person, but you're just not going about it the right way, like gossip, right? So it doesn't even matter. Gossip is wrong, even if it's uh, kind of put together in the form of a prayer request. Oh, pray for so-and-so. You know, they're, they did this in their marriage, and I mean, we need to pray for them. And it's like, that's gossip. You know what I mean? That really is. Um, and so that fits that. Or uh, there's a lot of things we do in our speech that I think fit this. And some, uh, this week I was trying to think of some different examples. And one I thought of is the example of if you were to go up to somebody, or maybe someone was to come up to you and they said, hey, no offense, but you're expecting something offensive right after that, right? Yes, of course you are. And they think that saying no offense prior to saying that thing means, oh, well, you can't take it offensively, right? <laughs> That's not the way it works. Or another one I've heard um, a lot of people do is the I'm just saying. It's like, 
Pierce, you got a fat head and you're stupid. I mean, I'm just saying. And it's like, oh, well, since you're just saying, I, I, can't, I can't get mad. You know, it's clearly you're right because you're just saying. And it's like, dude, that's not how it works, right? That our speech matters. And those things do tear down other people. They harm others. And so James is saying never to do these things. And we could think of a lot of other examples. We could st- I could stand up here for 20 minutes and come up with examples. We're not going to do that because... That would not be beneficial. But uh, James says not to do this very thing. And I was thinking about it this week. What if we didn't do that? Like, what if we really, as God's people, if we didn't speak about others in slanderous ways? I, I think, first of all, a lot of our social media feeds would probably dry up, right? Oh, but it's not, it's kind of the no offense but, right? You know, if, if it's behind a keyboard, then it's okay. No, right? Honestly, if, if we didn't slander and say things like that at all, then most of us would only have posts on our social media page when someone said happy birthday to you once a year, right? Because we're infected as a society with this idea of slandering and denigrating and, and hurting other people with our words. We're infected with it. I was thinking about it this week. Some of us, we're going to go to work tomorrow and we're going to slander our boss to our coworkers. And then we're going to get home and we're going to slander our spouse to our kids. Which please do not do that. Even if you're divorced, don't do that. You don't realize the damage that does to your children. And then uh, after that, you know, we're going to get on social media and slander public officials, right? Which is getting easier and easier these days, amen? Um, (laughs) It it really is, but we're going to leave that there. Um, But we, we get on social media and we slander public officials. And then... We sit down on the couch and watch TV. We watch the news, which is just an entertainment form of people slandering each other, yeah? We're filled with it as a society. And the truth is, slander, which once again, we're using that as the all-encompassing word today to mean speech that hurts another. Slander really reveals something more about you than it does about the person you're slandering. Really. Jesus said this in Matthew 15, 18. You know the passage. I think we have it. Yes, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. Yes. We slander others because our heart and our motives are misplaced. We've already judged these people in our hearts. And so that's what comes out of our mouth. And, and to a degree, that's the big idea of what James is talking about in his, in his letter. Um, he's writing saying that really what you believe, what you're holding most dear in your heart is what's going to show in your actions and in your speech. So slandering not only brings division in the body of Christ, it, it tears people down, it hurts others. Speaking evil against others, it, it, it not only does that and, and really hurts the church's ability to witness to the world because the world's watching us. Um, 
But it does that, but inherently, it is hypocritical. And we're going to look at that a little bit. So, um, if you look at James 11 again with me. James says, The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if, you're, if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. So, okay, what does that even mean? That's kind of a weird saying, right? What does that mean? Well, I talked to you, uh, mentioned that James is often in his, in his book, in his letter, he's referring back to either Jesus' teaching or the Levitical law. And here we can see that he's referring in part to the Levitical law in, in Leviticus 19. And so Leviticus 19, 16 through 18 says, uh, actually we'll read 16 and 17 here. It says, you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. Sounds familiar, right? And you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. And we're going to read verse 18 in a, in, a, in a bit. It's a big part of this, but we won't get to it just yet. But what I want to point out here is that slander, from the very beginning, since the Levitical law, slandering against your brother or sister in the faith, is sinful. So... Here's the thing, when we slander and, and, and throw hateful words, whether they're with us or not, when we throw hateful words at somebody or about somebody, even if it's true, even if they were in sin, even if it's all, you know, well, that's very clear that, I, that they're wrong in all of this stuff. Even if all that's the case, you're a hypocrite for the fact that you're holding them to a law that you're not turning back on yourself because slanderous speech itself is something that you're not to do. Does this make sense? Uh, Timothy Paul, or I'm sorry, Timothy, uh, Luke Timothy Johnson. I'm going to get his name right. He's got a bunch of Bible names. Luke Timothy Johnson is a Bible scholar that I like quite a bit. And on this passage, he says this, and I'm just going to quote him because he says it better than I could. To practice slander and judgment against a neighbor is, therefore, to assume not only an arrogant superiority toward an equal, another human being, but also to assume an arrogant superiority toward the law that forbids such behavior. One assumes the right to decide which laws apply and which ones don't. So by applying the law to someone else and not turning it back on ourselves, you're implicitly stating that you're above the law, and that you're the judge. We don't realize we're communicating and doing all these things when we slander someone else, but this is what's happening. This is what's happening in our heart. Not only is that hypocritical, but really, truly, it's blasphemous to claim that we're the judge. So, I have a personal story. This is going to give you a little glimpse into my weird mind. Um, those of you who are in the youth group, you know how weird I am already. Um, but Karen and I had, had an encounter a few years back. It was a couple years back here in San Antonio. We were at a, well, let me state this. This is a little bit about how weird I am. <laughs> it is kind of a weird fantasy of mine to fire somebody at a place that I don't even work. Like that's, uh, I mean, I, I'm telling you the honest truth. Like it is kind of a weird fantasy of mine to, to 
fire somebody at a place where I'm not even their manager, but they believe me and they hang up their stuff. I know that's weird. You're like, Pierce, this is odd. It is odd. Okay, but just work with me here, okay? So um, I hold loosely to that, to that okay? Um, Karen and I were at a, a business establishment a couple years ago. We were talking this week. I was trying to get her to remember the place, but it's probably better that I don't even mention it. So um, we couldn't remember the, the business. Uh, but we were, we were at this business a couple years ago before Lila was born. And we were interacting with one of the employees. And the employee was really, really, really rude to us. And I've got a lot of grace for service industry workers. Uh, I once worked in the service industry. And so I, I kind of thought of it as, okay, like she's, something happened. She's just having a bad day. And so that's why she's rude. But, but as we were at this establishment, some things kind of escalated and we were witnessing that employee interact with another customer in a way that was absolutely unacceptable. Um, not just as a business, but as a human being, you don't interact with others this way. And I remember being so angry as I was observing this. And I, <laughs> and I looked over to Karen and I'm like, this is my time to shine. Um, this is, it's going to happen. I'm going to get my opportunity to fire this girl on behalf of the people, right? Ah, justice. And so, um, I look over at her and she's like, no, don't do that. Um, right. I don't do it. I, I don't do it. Um, and, and looking back, I was kind of thinking about this situation this week and I, I think it applies. I didn't do it because in the moment I recognized that in order for me to, to fire this person, I was going to have to act like I was someone that I wasn't. In fact, my plan, I leaned over to Karen and told her, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk over and say, my name is Pierce. I'm a regional manager for this company. And I just so happen to be in this store. And the way you're acting is completely unacceptable. And so you need to turn in your badge. I'm going to call your manager and let you know that you've been let go. Leave. I was, I was wanting to do it because I, and I was just going to, and after that, I was going to call the manager and be like, Hey, I find your employee. Uh, I'm, this may not stand, but, um, <laughs> but I just want to let you know. Anyways, um, what I'm saying is I didn't do it. I know this guys, I'm sorry. I'm weird. Okay. Just accept this. Um, so the reason I didn't do it though, I, I, and I, guys, I thought hard about it. The reason I didn't do it is because in order to do it, I would have to be hypocritical. Because I was going to have to lie about who I was and make up some complete, completely false version of myself in order to do what I thought was justice. When what I was going to do really deserved justice itself. It didn't make sense. And then on top of that, even if I did it, my view, my firing of the girl meant nothing. It didn't mean anything. Because I wasn't her manager even though it would have been sweet. <laughs> I wasn't her manager and it wouldn't have stood. So there's a little glimpse into my weird world, but also uh, I think it ties into the situation in an odd way that our slander in a similar way is hypocritical because who are we? But also our judgment of them, it doesn't stand because who are you? This is what James is saying. So first point this morning is slander is hypocritical, and you might see that clearly. But the, the where I want to take us with the second point this morning, and we're going to get there, is recipients 
of grace extend grace. So slander is kind of the antithesis of grace. Those stand in contrast against each other. And in verse 12, James says, There's only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? James ends his whole section on speech right here with that question. What a gut check. If that's not a gut check from the word of the Lord, I I don't know what else could be. Who are you? I know who you are. I, I do. I know who you are. Yeah, I see, so I see a hand back there. I know who you are. <laughs> I know who you are. You're a sinner, right? No one agrees. You are, though. You are a sinner. You pridefully are judging someone else as if you're above the law, but you're not because the law has already judged you. And you know what it said about you? Guilty. That's what it said. That's what it said. Romans 3.23, if you guys are familiar with the Romans road, right? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means you. That means me. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is what? Death. That this is what we deserve. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. You and I deserve death and eternal separation from God in a place we call hell. But there's good news, right? This is why we're here. If it ended with that, we probably wouldn't be here on a Sunday morning, right? There's good news. Romans 8.21, if we continue on in Romans, Romans 8.21, Paul says that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, God. Because we all stood judged. We all stood convicted. But Jesus took on flesh, came down, lived the life you could not live on your behalf, sinless. Died the death that you deserve on your behalf. And in doing so, absorbed the wrath that you deserve. So that believing in him you might receive his good record, perfection, and eternal life. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, that you don't get what you deserve, right? (laughs) That's the good news. The good news of Jesus is that you don't get what you deserve, because if you got what you deserved, it'd be really bad, right? That's the good news of the gospel. And so all we do is believe and follow. And so there's no pride or at least there's no room for pride in the family of God. Because who are you other than just another sinner who needs grace? You're only here by grace and grace alone. And as people who have received grace and kindness, as people who have received grace upon grace upon grace, we are compelled to extend it to others. In fact, I would, I would argue um, that this is more or less, this ties into the thesis, what I was bringing up, the thesis of James, that those who have received the grace of God, those who have received Christ, are utterly changed by it. And that 
that faith in Christ changes them and wells up in them into action. And that action looks like love and grace towards others. And so uh, Leviticus 19, 16 through 18, if you guys want to pull it back up. I, I didn't read 18. I'm just going to read the whole thing to you now. So you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand against the life of, a na- of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. Verse 18, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but, this should sound familiar, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Does that sound familiar? It should. If you're a believer, it should. Jesus mentions this very thing. Jesus quotes the same passage as James is there in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. When, when the people go to Jesus and they ask him, what's the greatest of all the commands? Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend all the law and the prophets. In other words, everything that we do as believers and followers of Christ, this is what it wells up into. Action that is love of God and love of neighbor, which stands in opposition to the idea of slandering your neighbor. And so rather than extending slander, we extend grace and love to others because we've received it. We didn't deserve it, but we received it. In the same way, the one you might be slandering didn't deserve it, or didn't deserve grace, right? They probably deserve slander in a lot of ways, at least according to our world. But we extend grace because we've received it. Okay, so um, what about, I, I say all this to say, what about someone who is in sin? Don't we as the church have an obligation to correct? Yes? Yeah, so I mean, um, if someone is in sin, we do. We have an obligation to, uh, to help correct and, and, and do all that. So what do we do with all that? Slander, we're not supposed to slander. We're not supposed to say speech that, that hurts them. So how do we correct them? Well, the Bible gives us kind of a blueprint for that. Thank God. And so Matthew 18, 15 through 17. I know I'm throwing a lot of verses at you this morning, but... Um, but Matthew 18, 15 through 17 says this. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and everyone in the prayer group. And uh, tell, him, tell everyone there that he needs prayer. And, uh, and then go tell the sister. And No, right? Between you and him alone. So if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. You go alone. Why? Because... The idea behind this is reconciliation. That's the heart behind this. But if he doesn't listen to you, if he doesn't listen, take one or two along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence or, of two or three witnesses. Okay, so this is, this is Jesus' framework for um, confronting sin in someone's life. And you're, you're to go alone and say, hey, what's going on? I feel like you sinned against me here. And you discuss that. And if they're not brought to repentance and there's no reconciliation there, they don't, they don't ask for forgiveness, then you, you go and get a, a third party. And you don't go get the person who you're like, all right, I tell you everything. They're in the wrong. Let's go attack them together. 
right? That's not the heart behind this. The heart behind this is to get a third party to come and say, hey, we're not seeing this eye to eye. I feel like they've sinned against me. Can you be an unbiased third party where you help us work through this? You see where this is going? So this is reconciliation. This is the heart behind it. This is what is being sought. And if that person, verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. So now you're bringing the whole church in on this. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Not meaning that you hate him, meaning that you preach the gospel to them so that they come to repentance. The goal behind this framework for addressing sin in someone's life is it slander? No, right? It's reconciliation, not defamation. That when we find someone in sin, the goal is not to push them through uh, some kind of gauntlet of where we punish them on this side of heaven because uh, they did something wrong by denigrating or slandering their name. Instead, it's to bring them back to repentance. And how do we do this? Well, we extend grace by seeking reconciliation. And in doing so, really, truly, if, we, if we're people who lived this out really well, uh, we didn't slander, we sought reconciliation, we received grace, so we extended. If we did this really well, then we would look utterly weird in this world. Don't you agree? I, I mean, I think we would. Uh, we would look odd because this isn't how our world operates. In fact, these days, if you said something 20 years ago on your Twitter feed that's questionable, then the whole world's going to drag you through the mud pit, right? I mean, that, that's the world we live in today. And if the church didn't operate that way, instead we extended grace and sought reconciliation, sought repentance, we would look utterly different. This is love. In fact, John thirteen thirty five, Jesus said to his disciples, By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. It's what God's people are marked by. So, what is the remedy? I kind of lay all that out there for you. What's the remedy then for a slanderous heart? I brought up at the beginning of this, you know, we, we are people that we're almost infected. I, I, I mean, I see to myself, like, I'm infected lots of times with just these judgmental thoughts and a judgmental heart towards other people and their actions and, and brothers and sisters in Christ. And, uh, and I can easily speak about people in a way that, that hurts them or to them that hurts them. And I know I'm not alone in that. And so where do we go when we have a slanderous heart? Well, the reason why I wanted to read James 7, uh, 4, 7 through 9 is because I think James gives us a framework right before our passage where he talks about this. So, 7, he says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So you're like, whoa, that was, how does that tie? In other words, this is saying white knuckle discipline is not the way to fix your slanderous heart, right? I just, I just can't say anything. I'm just going to, I'm just going to fight it. I'm just going to fight it. I'll fix myself. That's not the solution. It's to humbly submit yourself before God to go to the cross. And as we look to the cross, we become more and more aware 
of how much we need grace and the grace that's been extended to us. And as we become more aware of the grace that we've received, our heart is changed by that. And we can't help but extend that grace to others. Does that make sense? I hope it does. And so, I, maybe, maybe you're thinking, I don't know if this is much of a problem in our society as Pierce is chalking it up to be. But I would say, I really do think uh, we are a society, and I'm not saying it's, it's rampant in our church necessarily, but I think as a society, we, we have a real problem with speech that hurts other people. And, and I, I think as Christians, we can be utterly different from the world if we refuse that and we extend grace instead. And so some of us need to start this by going to the feet of Jesus and asking him to reveal more clearly to us the grace that we've been extended. Because if we're having a difficult time understanding why this matters and why we should extend grace to others versus slander, then I would say that you're really just not aware of the grace you've received. So, um, I want to share with you a quick video clip, and it's an example of someone choosing reconciliation over denigration, and I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, uh, why don't you roll that for us if it's there. We end this week with a Turn lesson for in forgiveness from Steve Hartman on the road. It all went down on this block in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Back in 05, Jamel McGee says he was minding his own business when a police officer accused him of and arrested him for dealing drugs. You saying the officer made it up? Yeah, it was all made up. Of course, a lot of accused men make that claim, but not many arresting officers agree. So you phonied the report? I did. I, I falsified the report. This is former Benton Harbor police officer Andrew Collins. Were you just trying to chalk up an arrest? Yeah, basically, the start of that day, I was going to make sure I had another drug arrest. And in the end, you put an innocent guy in jail? Correct. Yeah. You lost everything. I lost everything. My only goal was to seek him when I got home and to hurt him. Really? That was my goal. Eventually, that crooked cop was caught, served a year and a half for falsifying many police reports planting drugs, and stealing. Of course, Jamel was exonerated, but he still spent four years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Today, both men are back here in Benton Harbor, which is a small town, maybe a little too small. Hey guys, thank you. Last year, by sheer coincidence, they both ended up at Mosaic, a faith-based employment agency where they now work side by side in the same cafe. Oh, excuse me. And it was in these cramped quarters that the bad cop and the wrongfully accused had no choice but to have it out. And I said, honestly, I have no explanation. All I can do is say I'm sorry. And Jamel says that was all it took. That was pretty much what I needed to hear. Today, they're not only cordial. Saturday, we went to the trampoline park. They're friends. Uh, you know, we talk about life. Such close friends. Not long ago, Jamel actually told Andrew he loved him. And I just started weeping because he doesn't owe me that. Uh, he, I don't deserve that, you know? Did you forgive for his sake or for yours? No, for our sake. 
not just us, for our sake. Jamel went on to tell me about his Christian faith and his hope for a kinder <laughs> mankind. He wants to be an example. So now he and Andrew give speeches together about the importance of forgiveness and redemption. Grab this one, set it over there. And clearly, if these two guys from the coffee shop can set aside their bitter grounds, what's our excuse? It's a pretty beautiful story. And uh, I just realized something. I, I've seen the clip like 10 times. And I just realized he said uh, he didn't forgive for him or for their sake both of them, but for our sake. That's pretty incredible. I, I just realized that because um, I, I think it speaks to our passage because this is grace. He didn't, he didn't try to ruin the police officer's reputation. He didn't slander. I mean, he, he could slander him in front of customers if he wanted to, right? Um, but he doesn't. Instead, he extended grace and sought reconciliation. And by our world standards, Jamel has every right to speak evil of Andrew. The, the bad cop, but he didn't. And if you notice in the video, you know, he talks about how uh, he went on to share his Christian faith because Jamel, Jamel's faith in that video in Christ um, was a faith that works. And that's our theme for this whole series. Um, and a faith that works, I believe, extends grace, not uh, not slander. And so um, stand with me and I'll pray for us and then we'll sing one more song together. So let's pray. Stand with me. Uh, Father, Lord, I, I just ask that uh, I don't know who needed to hear this word today. Um, I, but Lord, I, I believe there was somebody here that um, that needs to come to your feet and, and repent because they've been harboring um, ill towards another person. They've not been extending grace and instead have been extending slander, uh, whether it's a coworker, a boss, uh, whether it's a long lost sibling, um, an in-law. Lord, I, I, I don't know, Lord. Um, but I, I just believe that there's, uh, there's someone here that needs, needed this this morning. And so, Lord, I ask that you uh, give them an opportunity to respond. And if there's anyone here that wants to place their faith in you, um, that they would come and speak to me. And if they want to join the church or um, have questions about anything that I said here, that, um, that I'm available to them and that you would lead them to, um, to that place. Um, Lord, help us to worship you in this time as we look at the amazing grace we've been extended, and we sing about that, we recognize that we can extend it as well. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.